Hi everyone, welcome to Conference Call, your official unofficial guide for the Europa Conference League by Babagol. I'm Yossi Medina, editor-in-chief and writer in Babagol, right next to me, our European football expert, Eden Reutfab. Good to have you back. It's good to be back. I listened to yours and Uri's episode last week. It was amazing to hear Uri's, uh, what Uri thinks about our competition and hearing his insights. So it's very, very good to be back. Yes, yes. And, and we made a long journey. I want to take you back to July the 5th to the Centenary Stadium in Takali, Malta, when Jefferson, an anonymous Brazilian player, scored for Gira United against Athletic Ooh. de Escadas from Mandora. The first goal of the season in the Conference League. It was in the qualifiers, of course. We love the qualifiers always. And since then, almost a year since, and it's just amazing the journey that we've been through this year so many great moments and look at us we're close to the final now and we are in the final it's we're not close anymore we are yeah, in the final it's happening actually happening we've talked about it for so long the final in Prague it's going to be great yes and we got to know new players rediscovered uh, players that we almost forgot about them and now it's all about one night in Prague, June the 7th, Eden Arena, Fortuna Arena, every name you would like to call That's for a great it. name for a stadium, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Fiorentina versus West Ham, the Europa Conference League final. Eden, what are your first thoughts about this match? Well, first of all, two great teams, two of the teams that we kind of marked in the beginning of the season that are... Uh, a few of our favorites and they have just done amazing you know so many big dramas and goals and games and to have these in the final two is is a big it's a big respect for this competition to have these massive names here with us yes and i must say i am following all the preparation uh, before that match i will be in prague uh, next week uh, in the final it's amazing there is a huge excitement from both teams. Um, I cannot even compare it to the last final in Tirana. Um, it's going to be massive. A lot of fans from both teams. Most of their posts now are related, of course, for West Ham United, that their fans are going to overflow the, mm -hmm, the city. Mm -hmm. But also Fiorentina is coming in huge numbers. And everyone wants to touch the trophy. Exactly. First of all, very happy that you are going to go to Prague and represent us there. And the excitement is huge. And, and we can just hearing about what people say about the, about tickets and about wanting to be in that game. Um, it shows a lot about what this competition means and what people think about it. And, you know, the skepticism about would this be a big tournament? All, all these discussions are gone, are totally in the ground. It's a very big competition. And what the fans, the way the fans talk about it and the way that people travel to the finals is just another example of that. And yes, and we've been talking about great opportunity to win a European title for both teams. And unlike the last year, both teams are now playing also for playing in the Europa League group stage next season. Last year, Roma and final already uh, booked their places through the leagues. Now it's going to be a life-changing for everyone. Yeah, it's a double meaning. It's first of all the European trophy, the prestige, the fame, 
the history, going into history books, but also uh, planning forward for the next seasons. What does this mean for these clubs uh, uh, to attract more players, to, to continue European football, to continue to, uh, for these both, both these teams, they want to kind of like push up and become uh, uh, the dominant forces in their own countries because they, uh, let's say they are maybe seventh or eighth biggest teams in, in their own countries, and they want to push up that forward, and uh, this, this trophy can mean so much in both ways. Yes, and of course we are in Prague, in the home stadium of Slavia Prague. One of, I would say, a team that usually we are familiar with them with a great success. This year failed to even qualify through the group stage, but there are some Czech names yeah. in both teams. Yeah, since since Slavia lost uh, in those qualifiers, we we kind of looked around in the teams and thought who could be in the final and kind of like represent them and uh so we have on both sides which is very cool we have uh in west Ham we have Tomas Suchek and Vladimir Tsufa who used to play for Slavia Prague uh a lot of history there and uh, in Fiorentina we have Antonin Barak who scored a crucial goal uh, in the semi-finals yes uh, last year uh only one Albanian representative Maras Kumbula from Roma Roma had their own home advantage in Albania but it made it even more wider to see the local fans uh, supporting. And by the way, uh, when we see and we'll speak about some, I wouldn't say unusual countries, but countries that we are not sometimes not expecting to reach these stages, there is an excitement. Last year, uh, while I was waiting in a queue to take a photo with a cup, there was an Armenian uh, journalist walking around and asking people about Kitarian. Kitarian is, is a big name. He played in European finals. He will play in another European final next week. And still, it makes people to be excited, no matter what. If you have connection to this competition, you are excited. Yeah, it's great to have uh, players from many different countries. By the way, uh, another fun fact, um, first time you got um, a player from one nation in all of the European finals, which is Argentina. You have a player from Argentina in each team, uh, in the, in, in, from all six teams from the uh, UEFA finals, which is pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, again, seeing players from Armenia or, or uh, now the Czech Republic representing on both sides, it could create huge, huge excitement. Yes, yes. And we'll talk about the, all these names. So I think we are ready. Let's go. To get started with the preview, starting with the violas for Florence, Fiorentina. Uh, let's take a short tour in their trip, European trip past. The past. Uh, their only European title, 1961 Cup Winners' Cup. They defeated Rangers 2-1 in the final. The last uh, final was in the UEFA Cup in 1990. Lost 3-1 against Juventus. Actually, Fiorentina didn't play in European competitions since 2017. Uh, back then, they played in the Europa League, but were eliminated in the round of 32. And then we have a lot of great memories from Fiorentina in the past. Yeah, first of Let, all. Let's share some. First of all, I think it's, it's cool to mention that Fiorentina with this final become the first team to play in uh, the final of each major UEFA competition. Uh, the Champions League, in the beginning over there in the 50s, uh, they played in, in the UEFA Cup Final in, 
and uh, they in the Cup Winners Cup, they also did uh, the defunct competition and now the conference. So I think that's a huge milestone for them. But Fiorentina, thinking about their past, I don't know, personally sends me back to the 90s. I don't know what you think about that, but Gabriel Batistuta is the first name that comes to mind. Am I right? Yeah, of course. I, I remember I've been in Florence a lot of years ago. In the times that Fiorentina was played in Serie C, those are... We don't remember there were times that Fiorentina didn't play in the Serie A. They were in bankruptcy and so on. But still, the, the, they have the passion for the team. I remember you are walking on market and still uh, pictures of uh, Batistuta and Rui Costa and many other big names from uh, this club. Yeah, the 90s were great times. And those were the times that they played uh, constantly in the Champions League. Uh, they had uh, uh, very good memories from there. Uh, I specifically remember the 1999-2000 season um, where uh, Batigol scored uh, against Arsenal in Wembley. When they hosted in Wembley, they won. Then they qualified to the, to the second group stage and they had uh, Valencia and Manchester United. And they were, um, I remember the last game, they were um, eliminated in a quite bizarre fashion when Valencia and United kind of passed around the whole game, ended 0-0. Very disappointing and kind of like tragic. Um, and that theme kind of uh, resumed and continued with Fiorentina after. And those were, that's kind of was like the end of that big team. Rui Costa played there. Enrico Chiesa, uh, we speak, spoke about the Czech players, Tomas Repka. So, uh, but that was kind of like the end of that team. They, as you said, went into bankruptcy down the leagues, but then they were back again in the mid 2000s. Also uh, a cool team. You have any memories from that team? Ooh. There were a lot of, uh, I would say, some of them were youngsters or unknown before they were becoming a real name, uh, Stevan Jovetic. Mm -hmm. Adrian Mutu wasn't uh, so young, but he was uh, already... He was revived by Fiorentina after yes, what happened yes, before yes, that. And of course, Luca Toni. You cannot Toni. speak about Fiorentina without mentioning they Luca They just Toni. discovered him. They have this fashion of, the, you know, having these tall strikers that just... Kind of like excite everyone. Luca Toni was amazing. Uh, Ricardo Montolivo, um, uh, Martin Jorgensen on the wing. Uh, so many great names. And, and that's the team that then um, uh, returned to the Champions League in 09-10. And uh, even uh, defeated Liverpool in, in Anfield and, and got to uh, the, the uh, round of 16. But then uh, Bayern Munich eliminated them again in kind of like a tragic fashion, extra time. Arjen Robin with his crazy season over there was a bit too much for them. But Fiorentina just brings back so many memories for, for all fans, not just their own fans. Yeah, of course. And now we will move on to nowadays. Uh, Fiorentina started their run in the Europa Conference League this season in the playoff round, playing against Twente. Uh, later they played in the group stage finishing second place uh, after Bashak Shahir uh, alongside Hearts and RFS then knockout stage against Braga round 16 uh, winning against Sivaspor the massive quarters against Lech Poznan uh, and also dramatic semis against the masters of drama this season FC Basel um, they scored 36 goals, group stage to final, must in the competition. Um, that is a fantastic way to get to the final. 
deserved, very well deserved in my opinion, um, and especially scoring a lot of goals away from home as well. Uh, just kudos to Fiorentina on this great season and finishing off with a, with a trophy would be would be amazing for them. Yes, no doubt that uh, Fiorentina actually had, uh, I would say, uh, I wouldn't say the best season, but compared to the other season, they had a decent one. Uh, they are in the ninth place uh, of the Serie A. We are recording this episode before the last uh, match day. Uh, last week, they played in the Italian Cup final, losing against Inter. And yes, now they are having a chance to win a title, the last title, any title, was in 2001, winning the Italian Cup. And yeah, maybe it's their chance to bring another trophy to Italy. Exactly. Um, we are recording this um, after Roma's loss in, in the Europa League final. So uh, Italian football is kind of like, you know, having this, this amazing European season with three finalists. They, they want at least one to win it. And, and now after Roma's loss, I think it means a bit more. And of course, uh, in the Conference League context of having a second straight Italian uh, champion would mean also a lot for what this competition's tradition is, is kind of like uh, building. So that, that can mean a lot to get Italy a uh, um, stronger grip on the conference and making it you know, their own uh, competition. Yeah, it always reminds me of the UEFA Cup in the 90s. The, the Italian teams had a crazy run. Um, eight out of 11 cups between 1989 and 1999 were won by Italian teams. Some of the finals were all Italian, so they were completely dominant. But since Parma Cup in UEFA Cup in 1999, uh, there were a few uh, winning teams in the Champions League, but only Roma last year won any European Cup that is not no. the Champions League. So I don't know if uh, there were some uh, doubts whether Italian teams are taking this tournament seriously. Uh, when it was the UEFA Cup and the old-fashioned with the weird five-team groups and so on. But in the last years, we see more and more Italian teams, uh, especially those who are uh, not from the first tier. Teams that... Uh, knows that they are yeah they almost have no chance to get such uh, such experience such moments and Fiorentina is one of these teams yeah you spoke about the 90s also uh, the cup winners cup and the champions league were also very italian oriented and and so this this year kind of like brings people back you know nostalgically to the 90s and what that means so I agree. This kind of like a European Renaissance for Italian football, and again, if they can finish it off with one or two uh, of the trophies, it can mean a lot. Especially since kind of like um, the perception that the Serie A is a bit dropping down in 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 strength and ranks and money compared to uh, Spain and England. So. This could bring them back into the game. Fiorentina has a big role for Italian football as well, not just only for them. Yes, and let's move on to the to their squad. We talk about some 
interesting things. We talked about Antonin Barak, the only Czech uh, player in the squad. Um, three Serbian players, mm-hmm. which make, makes it always interesting. Uh, Nikola Milenkovic, Luka Jovic, and Alexa Terzic. That is an interesting combination. combination. And also, one of our favorites, Sofia Namrabat uh, from Morocco. Uh, we know him. We love him. Um, he can finish the best year of the cup. Yeah, made yeah. a decent performance in the World Cup. Yeah, he, was, running. Yeah, he was okay, yeah. Yeah, but the, the, the old Moroccan team was made a decent Just run. made it to the 11 of the tournament. Nothing too yes, big. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> and yes, basically it seems like um, Fiorentina have interesting names. Um, one... Worth mentioning name is, of course, uh, Arturo Cabral, uh, one of the best scorers in the tournament uh, this year. Uh, the leading top scorer, actually, with the seven goals. Uh, Luka Jovic is behind him with the six. And also two Fiorentina players are leading the top assists mm. list. Uh, Christian Kwame and Cristiano Biriagi. Um, so, yeah, as I said, they are scoring goals. Top top quality, uh, scoring a lot of goals and and but also even creating more chances that their goals show. Uh, watching their games, a lot of big misses as well. So uh, just the potential for for fun games with them. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see Fiorentina in this match, but they are not alone in the field because from the other side you have. The Hammers, West Ham United. The Irons. The Irons. As they say. They, they have all these names. They are coming with all the bubbles all the way from London. Um, short brief of the past played uh, twice in the Cup Winners' Cup final. In 1965, they defeated. That's, that's kind of names that I like in Cup Winners' Cup <laughs> finals. 1816, Munich 2-0. Um, 11 years later, they played... Again, in the Cup Winners' Cup final, uh, lost 4-2 against Anderlecht. Uh, a clash we saw, uh, we almost saw, actually, uh, this year. Um, last year, they made the European return, also for the first time since 2017, like uh, Fiorentina. Reached the semi-finals of the Europa League, but lost to the eventual winners, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Let's go for some uh, great moments from the yes, past. Speaking of uh, the 1965 uh, glorious uh, Cup Winners Cup uh, campaign, they also beat Ghent uh, on the ro- on the route to the final. So uh, maybe a nice kind of like omen since they beat Ghent this year as well. So maybe the Hammers faithful are thinking about you know some uh, <laughs> superstitious uh, thoughts. Um, but the, the 60s were the golden times for West Ham. Golden kind of like a generation, if you would say. Um, they won the FA Cup in 64, and the, the that team contributed massively to the England 1966 squad with players like Jeff Hurst, Bobby Moore, Martin Peters, uh, uh, Hurst with the hat-trick in, in the final against Germany, and the fourth was scored by, by Martin Peters. So that's a lot of uh, kind of like um, pride for West Ham uh, to this day. So 1960s were, were great for them, but you know, a bit afterwards, the team kind of hit ups and downs and were relegated and promoted a few times. 
but West Ham is always fun, always great football. Uh, uh, you know, the players who kind of like enter the folklore of West Ham are those kind of like crazy, talented players like Paulo Di Canio or Dimitri Payet in, in recent years. So West Ham is all, always exciting. Yes, and if you see that the record, Fiorentina, we talked about the last uh, any trophy was uh, 20 years ago. Last uh, trophy won by uh, West Ham United, 1980 FA Cup. Uh, the last time that uh, team from the second division won the title, defeated 1-0 uh, against Arsenal, won uh, 1-0 against Arsenal, uh, go by the legendary Trevor Brooking. Um, and since then, they have a lot of uh, runner-ups. Um, we remember the 2006 FA Cup final. Oh. Uh, Speaking of heartbreak, you, you remember who made the who was part of the series of mistakes led to the goal of uh, the equalizer of Steven Gerrard in the additional time? Oof. Uh, who made a mistake in that goal specifically? Yes, Oof. I want uh, uh, maybe Anton Ferdinand. Well, it's uh, it was an, a right back from Argentina named Lionel Scaloni. Oh, no way. Yes, that was the the guy. I I, I can't say it, it makes me fall nostalgic. Nostalgic when I saw the see the the, the, the lineup from that match with Shaka Hislop as a goalkeeper, Anton Fendi, and you mentioned Paul Koncheski, Yossi Benai, Nigel Rio, Cocker. Wow! And Madrid, Teddy Sheringham and Bobby Zamora were subbed in, and Ellen Pardew on the lines. It, it, it's perfect. Just look, just hearing those names and reminiscing that game, it, it was it was big. And then the penalties. And if I if I'm not mistaken, the the reason I guessed Anton Ferdinand is because he missed a penalty in the shootout. So maybe that mixed up in my mind because he he was a kind of like a tragic uh, uh, character for that. But uh, th that West Ham team again, very typical of them attacking. Uh, you know, flowing, but but something was missing a bit from the glory and and the memories of that final carry on in each West Ham fans' hearts. Yes, and, and actually, the not not actually European Cup uh, final in 1999, they played in the uh, Intertoto Cup final, Inter one of the three finals against Mets. Uh, another chance to have a name dropping. In the first game uh, in Apton Park, they lost 1-0. Uh, the score for the French side was uh, Louis Saha. Oh, <laughs> he was uh, already scouted at yeah. that. And in the second leg, uh, West Ham won 3-1. And the name that scored for West Ham, check this out, Trevor Sinclair, Frank Lampard, and Paolo Wanchop. Wow. Huge names. And since you mentioned Frank Lampard and, and we talked about Anton Ferdinand, it's, it's also very, uh, the history of West Ham is very, um, it revolves around their own academy, which they're also very proud for. So many big names came out from the West Ham Academy. Uh, Joe Cole, uh, as we said, Rio, Anton Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, Michael Carrick, Jermaine Defoe. Uh, and of course, uh, an honorable, honorable mention to Mark Noble, Mr. West Ham who has just retired last year. He is now um, a technical director in, in the team. So we will see him. You will see him, I think, from very close, maybe 
uh, on the sidelines running. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's so passionate about the team. And he's one of those players who, uh, well, officially he's not, but he's one of those one team players for his whole career. He had two short loan spells in, in championship teams. But you cannot say that Mark Noble played for any other team besides West Ham United. And it's one of those special occasions where, you know, a player is so connected to a team. And, and even now after retiring, he's still in the system, uh, contributing a lot, I'm sure, to this campaign as well. Um, we, we miss him and especially his very good penalty record. I hope maybe how how crazy will it be if West Ham would need would if this game goes to a penalty shootout and Mark Noble cannot participate in that. By the way, before moving on to nowadays, you mentioned a, an old name, a Czech connection in Fiorentina. Oh, Thomas Repka, who in 2001 was bought by West Ham. From Fiorentina. Right. Uh, for uh, 5.5 million pounds. So also Luis Jimenez uh, played for both teams. The Chilean uh, mid-2000s in Fiorentina. Then he played, uh, I think, for Gianfranco Zola, who coached West Ham in uh, 2009. He, he went there with uh, Diam Alessandro Diamanti, another player who played for both teams. So a lot of fun connections going on here. Yeah, West Ham had their times with, uh, I would say... Uh, random managers yeah i will call it like jen frank zola uh we mentioned ellen Pardew, which is not so uh random but uh manuel pellegrini and uh, slavin bilic avram grant avram grant the le Millwall legend <laughs> um yeah so let's move on to some better uh, times in west ham this season they also Began their road in the playoff round, uh, defeated Viborg. Uh, worth mentioning that three out of four teams reaching the Europa Conference League final actually started from the playoff round. The only one not to do so was final last year that had to <laughs> qualify through the second qualifying round. Uh, in the group stage, they finished first, uh, playing against Anderlecht. Uh, FCSB and Silkeborg uh, round of 16 played against Iclanaka quarters against Ghent and semis against Azre Alkmar um, unlike Fiorentina less dramas yeah a pretty straightforward West Ham won all, their, all of their home games uh, they haven't lost any games uh, a bit less uh, uh, less goals but uh, less dramas as well they, they did it very comfortably in almost every stage. Uh, so it is very impressive to see how they did it this year, but that kind of, um, you know, uh, it they had it easy maybe in this competition, but they had their own struggles in the Premier League. So it kind of balanced out. Fiorentina had a very relaxed season in the league. Um, so it's kind of like uh, two different opposites on, on that side. But again, as I said, so deserved for both teams to be here. Yeah, and unlike uh, Fiorentina, you said not too many goals, but another great scorer this season, Mikel Antonio with six goals, one uh, goal behind Arthur Cabral. Maybe he will become the uh, eventual uh, leading goal scorer uh, this season of the tournament. Uh, he can do so by scoring only one goal because he played less uh, minutes compared to Arthur Cabral. Um, so that's it. Let's see more names in the squad check connections uh, we said vladimir tufal and tomas suchek 
some Baba Gold favorites. Naif Aguert from the Moroccan side when Rahma, we spoke about him last week. We have been covering this player for years. And of course, more and more names that make us feel good. Lukas Fabianski, Manuel Lansini, Lukas Paqueta. Also and two, two Italians we have here, Gianluca Scamacca and Angelo Ogbona. Three, actually. Hmm? Three Italians. Who actually. is the third? Emerson Palmieri. Oh, Emerson Palmieri, of course. Uh, about Emerson, speaking, speaking of which, uh, he can make history. He has a very cool uh, opportunity here. Uh, we have a few way for competitions. Conference League is a new one. He, could be, uh, he, can, he already won the Champions League. He already won... Uh, the Euros with Italy, he won uh, the Europa League with Chelsea as well. And then now he can make it four out of four uh, to be the first player to do that. So um, that is pretty cool. Not a lot of players have achieved similar feats in history. Yes, only uh, Arnold Muren, the Dutch. Mm. He won the Champions League with uh, the Champions, the European Cup with Ajax in 1973. In 1981, that's especially for you, he won the UEFA Cup with Ipswich Town. Hmm. And then in 1987, Cup Winners' Cup with Ajax in 1988, he played with the Netherlands in the legendary uh, Euro tournament uh, and completed this uh, quadruple, I would say. Um, and yes, yes, a great chance for him. We talked about chances and opportunities in this tournament. This is one of them. Yeah, so a lot of cool stats that are kind of like building up because it's a new competition. So uh, you have these new kind of feats and achievements that, that are possible. Uh, so Emerson can do that. Um, and I also just want to talk to you about like, what does this mean for David Moyes? A coach who, um, on, on the one hand, his, the, the beginning of his career and the things that he'd done, he's done in Everton, received a lot of respect and uh, he was very appreciated but then then when he made that leap uh to manchester united and tried to make it you know with the big teams then he kind of started being ridiculed and then his career took kind of like weird paths and here we are now and david Moyes is one game away from winning a european trophy here's the list of scottish managers who won a european cup sir Perfect. alex ferguson matt busby bill shankley jock stein George Graham and William Waddle. That is, those names are, are, to be in that list could mean so much for David Moyes and maybe kind of like uh, put this um, exclamation mark on his career that he is a top manager. And some people might have a problem hearing this, but that could be so big for him. Yes, I'm trying to find something interesting about him, about his past. Uh, his debut as a player in European competition was against Italian side. He played against Juventus and Celtic mm. in the first round of the Champions Cup in 1981-1982 season. So interesting. A bit of a kind of like a cycle that's closed. Uh, um it can mean a lot for him, I think. And and he's also kind of like very reserved in his character. He's not, he doesn't show too much emotion. But I'm just trying to imagine what will happen. The scenes, if you will, of uh, OS time victory and how David Moyes will react to that. Because like kind of last year we had Josie Mourinho, who is 
kind of like the opposite of David Moyes in in, in many ways. I don't think David Moyes, we talked about tattooing uh, <laughs> the trophy. I don't think he will go that far. Who but knows? Maybe, Who knows? Maybe there's a bet going on right now in the West Ham locker room. Players are daring David Moyes to maybe make a tattoo. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see this game. Yes, and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for him. Uh, actually, he managed two matches against Fiorentina with Everton. In the last 16 of uh, UEFA Cup in 2008, both games ended with a win for Fiorentina. 2-0 in Artemio Franchi. Uh, we love name-dropping. Uh, Zdravko Kuzmanovic and Ricardo Montalivo scored for Fiorentina. In the second leg, in Goodison Park, um, it was uh, Andy Johnson and Mikel Arteta scoring Ooh. for uh, Everton. But then uh, they lost in penalties, uh, Phil Jagielka uh, missed the last uh, penalty. Oof. The big names, big t- like it's just it's just like yesterday when David Moyes coached that team, uh, and a lot has happened since. And um, yeah, uh, I don't know, I don't know. It's going to be great. It's going to be interesting as usual. And yes, we are. I would say that, that it's going to be um, great. We, we spoke about great names, great moments, great opportunities for everyone. And, and yeah, it's going to be something that you should miss. You shouldn't miss that match at all. Um, the, the stadium is going to be fully packed. I saw... Uh, Photos from the turnstiles in Budapest in the Europa League when someone passed his ticket and two are entering. Mm. Yeah, I saw that too. I, I would say that it's impossible in Prague. I don't know if it's impossible. I've never been in the stadium uh, in the stadium before, but I think that if you want to do so, you will do it. Um, a lot of fans are traveling. Uh, it's going to be massive. There are fan zones dedicated for each team. Um, I'm going to see it because last year Roma uh, took a place in a, I would say, a huge park. Final had its own uh, found the side next to the uh, main fan zone of UEFA. Uh, Fiorentina had a fan zone next to the stadium in a huge park locating merchandise and stuff and you could take photos with all kind of things and those who didn't got tickets had an opportunity to see the match there with roma owned uh, event mm. so it was interesting i don't know what western fans are going to do i don't know what fiorentina fans are going to do because they're also looking for tickets everyone is looking for tickets for that match and um, I hope that Prague uh, could fit everyone uh, in we the hope, city. We hope that Prague is prepared yeah. for what is going to happen. Look, from one side, um, I read that uh, 10,000 uh, cops from all over Czechia are on their way to Prague. <laughs> on the other side, we are talking about a city where beer is cheaper than water. <laughs> It's going to be interesting, it's a good venue. no yeah. matter what will be. 
And I think that it, it is going to be a celebration uh, for the fans who would be in the stadium, the ones who would not be in the stadium, the unlucky ones. But another thing that I really enjoyed this year was, you know, all the good videos coming up on social media before games, during games of fans uh, just on the streets, you know, the, it, it, it's just like when you see a big derby in, in Turkey or Greece and sometimes you have these these great videos to see how much it means for fans. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot of them uh, in the build up uh, towards the game. Yes, and we will follow everything and we will be here also next week after the final to talk about what you saw. But we will have much more for you everywhere. We will be on Facebook, on Twitter, as usual. Follow Babagol, follow our website, uh, follow us on TikTok, everything. We'll be there with live coverage from Prague. That's massive. Before you wrap it up, are we going to guess who is going to win? Um, Are we going to do this now? Because we did our I, brackets and the bracket, my bracket kind of like flopped. Yours is on, is intact. Am I right? I don't think so. I thought I didn't thought I don't remember. Actually. You don't remember. Okay. But, so uh, but, but, but let's, we can, we can, let's make a guess. Let's, we got, um, we got, we got to do something. You'll start. 2-0 Fiorentina. Ooh. <sighs> uh, 2-1 Fiorentina. No one is believing David Moyes after your lecture telling us that he's underrated. He's, he's still made a great campaign. But if he will I, win, he will stand by my hotel in Prague and will let me hear that for all the night. We would be very happy for him if he's going to win. <laughs> but uh, guesses are guesses. We're going with instincts here and... Um, it will be close. It will be close, but I think Fiorentina has it. Okay. We'll be here after the match. <laughs> um, we'll have the special article from the stadium. Um, we'll be here with a special uh, conference call episode to conclude the final and not only the final. Um, we're getting closer to the, to, to the end of the season. It breaks, are. it breaks my heart. Eden Royfab, thank you very much. Thank you, Yossi. Enjoy Prague. I will. And as you said, I'm Yossi Medina. We were conference called by Baba Gol, and we will be here once again soon with all the best from Europe's best football competition, this time from the final of this competition. Until next time, keep football real. <laughs>